0: And today we are going to uh, continue in the mini-series that uh, I've been preaching between Jake's sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. I think I've decided to call this Family Values, right? The, um, the things that set your family apart are your family values, and so what we've been talking about, at least when I've been preaching, is what are the things that set our church apart, or the things that we want to set our church apart? What are our values? family values, and we've already talked about glorify, how worship, we want worship to be at the the center of all that we do, Uh, and that's guided by the Holy Spirit and the truth of the word. We also value growing as a community which thinks and lives the gospel of grace, that is people who are set free, people who are reconciled to God, not by our works, but by his grace, that changes how we live, but that then kind of leaves this big, so what, question. I think that's where the the next two values really fill that in. And today we're going to talk about our uh, our value that we want to equip every member as a minister. Now there are, um there are three maybe reactions that you could have or responses responses you could have to that value. And the first one may be this. Minister, don't I pay him to be a minister? Why do you want me to be a minister? Right? And that's kind of the, I call, we'll call that the professional misconception, that ministry is reserved for the professionals and for no one else. No one else, uh, maybe the only part I take in ministry is I give, give some money. But ministry, true ministry, is reserved for professionals. And I'd say that's a misconception, as we'll see today in Ephesians 4. Then there's another misconception. And this would be the person who says, whoa, 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 whoa. I am not mature enough. I am not gifted enough. I have too much sin to be of any use in ministry. And I would say that's another misconception, right? Um, Jesus clearly thinks that you are useful for ministry. And we're going to talk about that, and then maybe most of us might fall kind of somewhere in the middle, right? We're sitting on the fence. We hear equip every member as a minister, and we think, "Great, that sounds good." What in the world does that mean? How do I how do I fit into that? How are you going to help me? Uh, why don't I just Why don't I just wait? Wait on you to ask me, um, you know. Help help me figure this out. All right. So hopefully by the end of today, all three of those responses will be addressed. I think they're addressed in this text. I think they're addressed in this sermon. And so um, before I go much further, I will say this. Um, It's hard to in, in a setting like this, the most I can do in a setting like this is encourage you and pray that the Holy Spirit would motivate you towards ministry if you're not already in ministry. But as far as applying what that looks like in your life, there are steps that probably need to be taken after the sermon is over, okay? And one place I would recommend that you start, this book will change your life. That's a little over the top. But uh, this book is called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, and it's a good place to start thinking about where where you fit in. It's kind of a call to personal ministry for every Christian, and he talks a lot about some of the things that I'm going to mention in my sermon today. If I were a planner, I would have already ordered this book and had it on the shelf in the back. But I did not do that, and so this may be just an empty wish that you'll order this book. If you are interested, we'll order some. There's actually a copy in the church library, which doubles as my office. It's right back there grab it. I know there's going to be a bum rush on that book, so you may want to be the first in line to get it. Okay, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, People in Need of Change, Helping People in Need of Change. Uh, it's written by Paul Tripp. It's a good book, and I think it's, it's kind of a, it's a game changer in terms of thinking about ministry. So, all that said, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And just to give you a little bit of background before we read verses 11 and 12, Paul has been talking about the gospel. Particularly, what he's been saying in Ephesians 2 and 3 is this You have been saved by grace. And when that happened, you were dead. You were a stranger to God. And then God intervened, and now you are no longer a stranger. You are, you are no longer an outsider. Now you belong to God's household. You belong to God's family. He has done that. You have not done that. He has done that by his grace. You are brought together. And then Paul starts chapter 4 this way. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity. So all of that to say this, that, Paul's first instruction after, after saying, here's the gospel, here's what God has done, I want you to live together in unity. Okay? In this room are very, very different people. And were it not for the grace of God, we probably would have nothing to do with each other. Just being honest, right? Um, but that is not how God has designed the church. And so he begins this chapter by saying, Walk worthy of your calling, which is the new family of God. Bear with one another in love. Walk in unity. Now, in the midst of all this talk about unity, he brings up diversity. He says, right, he talks about the gifts that Jesus has given to the church. After Jesus has conquered his enemy, right, he goes, he ascends, he comes back from the dead, he ascends to heaven. He is the reigning king. And like any good reigning king, he disperses gifts and gives them to the church. And out of that diversity of gifts is meant to come unity. Now, for today's sermon, we're going to drill down and talk about that diversity that exists in the unity and what God has planned for that. Okay, what God's purpose is in giving us these gifts. So if you will, look with me in Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Let me pray. Father, as we talk about your church, your body, what you have created, whom you have brought together pray that we would not lose sight of the fact that you have done this, that you fill us with your spirit, that you are at work in our midst and you choose to work this way. So Lord, as we talk about what it looks like to live the gospel in this way, help us not lose sight of the gospel itself, that at the heart of this work stands Jesus and what he has accomplished on the cross and what you are doing by the Spirit. Help us to understand your word so that we can apply your word, so that we can live before your face. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So that's kind of our main idea for the day, right? This value that we want, as Grace Fellowship, we want to equip every member as a minister. So all of your, if you've got hang-ups with that phrase, or if you just don't know what that phrase means, let's bring it all to this passage and see what uh, God the Spirit has to say. Okay. The first thing we're going to see is this. First thing Paul says is that some are equippers. There is a there is a set of gifts, primarily intended for equipping. But second, all are ministers. Some are equippers. All are ministers. And then third, remember what I wrote down. Chris takes my notes and plays with them. There we go. I'm just kidding. As saints minister, the body grows. Okay, so some equip, all are ministers, and as everybody plays their part, the body grows. Okay, Jesus wants us to grow up. Jesus wants us to mature, and this is how that happens. So... Let's look at the first point. Some are equippers, okay? Paul mentions these gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, okay? These are, these are unique gifts. But they are not more important. They do not necessarily carry more honor. Um, they are just set apart. In that they are unique. Only a few, like these gifts, are limited. Not everyone, certainly not everyone is an apostle. Not everyone is an evangelist in this sense of the word. And not everyone is a pastor and teacher. Okay? So these are a unique set of gifts. All right? And and the Greek actually makes it a little more clear when it says, and some of your translations may say, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. So the point is, only some possess these gifts. Who are these people? Well, the apostles and prophets, we've already heard about earlier in the letter, okay? Paul says in 2.20 that these, these people make up the foundation of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone, and the apostles fill out the rest of it. So they took what Jesus had taught them, the apostles. We reserve that title for those who knew or saw the risen Jesus. So the twelve, uh, Paul... James, um, maybe Barnabas, okay, a handful of others in the early church, and they were Jesus' initial sent ones. That's what apostle means, one who is sent. Jesus sent them out. They built the foundation of the church by the power of the Spirit, okay, and with them, now whatever prophets might mean, and there's some debate there, at least I think in Paul's mind it seems clear that they worked together with the apostles, to form the foundation of the church. And the foundation is built. And those offices. Those gifts do not continue. At least not in the same way. Okay. So. Uh, and that you see them together again in Revelation. So that's why I would say those two go together as the foundation of the church. Um, so that's the apostles. And the prophets. Then we get to evangelist. And evangel just means good news. So. So. An evangelist, a good newsist, right, is a, is a messenger, somebody who brings good news. Now, this is maybe where you ask the question if you've been around church for a while, like, whoa, 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 I thought everybody was responsible for evangelism. Every Christian, as they have opportunity, is responsible to share the good news, for sharing, for sharing the good news, okay? But there are some who are uniquely gifted, and particularly effective at this work, right? And they think Billy Graham. Okay, some people seem to be particularly gifted at sharing the good news, particularly in foreign situations. George Whitfield would be another one. Okay, um, those are the evangelists. All right, and then next in the list, and finally, we come to the shepherds and teachers. Um, that word shepherd is it's really the same word in the Greek, um, but we, it came to mean pastor. Okay, So if you walk out this door, you'll see on Jake's office door, it says pastor. You could put shepherd there. Those are interchangeable terms. So the shepherds and teachers are the pastors and teachers. Some people put these together and say it's one, one gift, pastor-teacher. Some separate them and say that it's two. I don't know that it makes too much of a difference that are very similar gift set, okay? We can say at the least this, that every pastor is a teacher. Not every teacher is a pastor. So that might be where I would create a distinction. Every pastor is most certainly a teacher, but not every teacher is a pastor, okay? But these are the, uh, the pastors in particular. These are the men whom God has put under his, under his control as the great shepherd, These are the shepherds of the flock, of you and me, okay? It's their job to guard. It's their job to guide the flock of Jesus. What's the connection with all of those gifts? It's the Word. All five of these gifts are ministries of the Word, right? The apostles, they took Jesus' words and by the power of the Spirit built the church on them. The prophets helped them. The evangelists spread the word. Pastors and teachers shepherd with the word. Okay, so these these unique offices are they are gifts of the word. Okay, these these men have have gifts uh, to teach and apply the gospel. And what that means is, the primary way every other saint is equipped is through the word. If these, if these people bear a ministry of the word and it's their job to equip the saints, right? Uh, there in verse 11, excuse me, verse 12, Jesus gave these, these people these gifts to equip the saints for a work of ministry. That happens via the word. Okay? And so while that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't, that gift is not given to everyone in the congregation, it does apply in this way. What is your expectation of what a pastor does? How do you define, when you think about a pastor's role, how do you define that role? Is it centered around the word? That role of an equipper? Um, I say this jokingly. This might be true of a church in Chilton County. I don't know. I'm not picking a fight. Okay, so take it in that way. But you might see, for instance, on a larger staff, usually when churches get larger, they start multiplying pastors, okay? Uh, and let's say a particular church has like a gym or a family life center. That title was hip in the 80s, okay? Um, so you might see like on, a, on the staff of a church, like, oh, he's our pastor of recreational ministry. What? Um, now... I'm not saying that recreational ministry, whatever, that, what, that, that can mean lots of different things. I'm not saying that's not important. Because in many communities, urban communities in particular, where you can have a ministry on a basketball court, it's huge. But is that the role a pastor ought to play? Or is that the role of one of the other saints? I'm not saying it should be. one way. That I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want us to ask the question. OK, we just need to ask these questions. Is, is our expectation of our pastor one that says, oh, he equips me for ministry? That's primarily what he does. He teaches and shepherds with the word so that I can be equipped for ministry. Right. There are some churches where the pastor holds all the ministry. Maybe he's the CEO. Or maybe nobody knows how to approach him so that they can do ministry. And so he holds he holds all the reins. He holds all the cards. That's not the biblical model. The biblical model is that the pastor hands the ministry cards out and equips the saints to to do the work of ministry. Right? So the pastor is an equipper. He's the the chief equipper. He doesn't do all the ministry, right? He's not the bus driver and we're all just kind of chilling in the seats. We might get up to throw trash away every, every now and then, right? Uh, no, the pastor's in the trenches and the expectation of Paul is that we join him in the trenches, okay? Which leads to my next point. Some are equippers. All are ministers, right? Paul says these gifts are given to equip the saints. Let's define that word. We've done that before. Um, that word has come to mean like super Christians through church history, right? People, people who can do miracles and only sin like four times a year. Okay, that is not the Bible's definition of a saint. The Bible's definition of a saint is you, right? Those that word saint. Means holy ones or set apart. So people who have been set apart by God. Well, that's the Christian, right? So that if you identify with Jesus, do you say I am a part of His family? Then good news, you're a saint. So we've got Saint Chris, Saint Fred. Sorry, Fred, that just doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue, right? Saint Hank. Okay, this is a room full of saints. And as saints, we have the ministry. What is the work of ministry? Ministry just generically means service. Okay, so think table waiter. Somebody who works at somebody else's command. And in this case, the commanding officer is Jesus. And he deploys... The church he deploys the saints to do ministry to do service so if again if we combine this with the first point the ministry that belonged to the apostles a very specific ministry was to take jesus's teaching and begin spreading it across the globe as their expiration date approached right as they got older and were about to die other saints came along and once the foundation was built The house started going up, and those with the word ministry equipped the others to continue building the house. All right. So, what is your work of ministry? This is where panic sets in, right? She's thinking, "Oh no, he's going to ask me to do something." Right? I don't, I don't want to teach children Sunday school. I've said no six times, please. Right? I'm busy. We both work. I've got four kids. You know, I'm treading water, barely, barely able to breathe. Please don't, please don't lay anything else on my plate. Relax. Odds are you're already in the ministry God has for you. At least at the very beginning of it. Do you work? Are you a mother? Are you a father? Are you a husband? Are you a wife? All of these are spheres where ministry takes place. Because ministry at its base level, at its broadest definition, is simply this. It is the work of sharing Jesus with people. Right? What was, what was Jesus' ministry? He healed, he, he taught, died on the cross. It's not really ours, okay? There were lots of things he did, but think about it. Ultimately, Jesus' ministry was himself. He came to teach people the truth and invite them to God. Right? So he taught the word rightly and invited people to trust him. That's our ministry to show people to Jesus, to invite them to trust Him. However many different forms that may take, that's that's the ministry, okay? And every saint, every transformed soul has that calling. So let's get specific. We'll start specific and maybe we can kind of zoom back out. As many of you know, right, Stacy serves as one of our chief mentors and, and counselors for women. Okay. Uh, she she might, you could say, she might maybe be our chief disciple maker in that area. All right. And it is not uncommon for people to say to Stacy, I've got somebody you have to talk to. Right. Right. Um, I think Tammy probably gets this a lot too, right? When people come to you and say, Hey, listen, I've got a friend, and they really need to meet you. Because you can fix them. Now, Stacy will tell you very quickly, that is not what she, what she do. Okay? But think about this. What if that's actually not Stacy's ministry, but yours? After all that, God has put those people in your life. What if the intention rather is maybe what if what if you and Stacy and your friend sat down together the first time? And Stacy asked the questions, and Stacy gave some wisdom from the word. But you observe what she does and begin to duplicate that in your own life, maybe in other relationships. And the saints are equipped for ministry. Another very specific ministry in our church. By the way, I didn't ask any of these people permission to share these things. I'm just doing it because it's better to ask forgiveness. It's easier to ask forgiveness. Okay, Uh, the King's and Raleigh's Place. That is a very specific, specialized ministry. But do you see how it still fits that broad definition? At its base, it is sharing Jesus with people who need to hear about it. Those people just happen to be kids in the foster care system, social workers, uh, birth parents. All, all of the people that usually kind of fall outside of the view of the church. The kings were given that ministry to step into that gap and share the gospel in that realm. Okay? The kings won't be able to do that forever right? Someone else has to be equipped to take up the mantle. Somebody else will have to do the work of ministry when Tim and Sharon move on. But for many of us, whether it's you own your own business, or the factory you work at, or the wife you love, the kids you keep all day long those sound really common and really boring, and every one of those place, every one of those places is an area for ministry and it is our job as a church to equip you to minister effectively in those areas all right now clearly i can 't be a stay at home mom because I 'm not a mom okay um and if you see the way that I, have, that I am when I spend isolated time with my three boys, by about hour number three, it's clear I don't need to be a stay-at-home parent. Okay? Um, so that DHR is not called, I won't go any further. But, kid, that's not funny. I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Um, but, so I'm not a stay-at-home mom. But as a, but as a pastor, I ought to be equipping those saints who are, to do that ministry effectively. Okay? Hopefully you're getting the point. Paul Tripp says this, Christ has given his church leaders not to bear the full ministry load of the body of Christ, but to equip each member to join in God's work of personal transformation. No local church could hire enough staff to meet all the ministry needs of a given week. Now, usually when the church grows, we think that's the case. Fill up the staff. Now, what happens, though, when staff positions escalate? Actual ministry done outside of the staff tends to decline, right? No local church could hire enough staff to meet all the ministry needs of a given week. In the biblical model, much more informal, personal ministry goes on than formal ministry. So, like, this is formal ministry right here. But this is meant to be equipping for the informal ministry that all of you will do later okay that is the biblical model so the question is like the question is is this do you see your life as personal ministry do you understand that that's your role as a saint That there is work of ministry for you to be doing blaze through this last point as saints minister, the body grows. So Paul says, right, the, the saints are equipped for the building up of the body of Christ. As the saints do their job, that's everybody, me, you, okay? As the saints do right, that's how the body grows. And a really helpful way to understand this, I think, um, you see on the show Downton Abbey. Okay? If you're not familiar with Downton Abbey, don't judge me, all right? Uh, PBS comes on PBS, fine, Um, and it kind of chronicles the life of a nobleman's house, okay? So there's a difference between the upstairs world where the lord and lady and their family live and the downstairs world of the servants, okay, the people who basically help their house run. And you have a variety of servants. You've got uh, the butler, you've got the valets, you've got the ladies' maids, you've got the cooks, and on down. All right. Everybody has their role. And somebody's ro- some, some people's roles are more glamorous than others. The butler gets seen more. His role is more glamorous, I guess you could say, than the lowest cook. But nobody's role is unimportant. Because if somebody's missing, or if somebody fails to do their job, then the house comes to a grinding halt. And I think the same is true with the church. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12. The communicants class is going to get it this afternoon, right? That the body is made up of many parts, and so the foot can't say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. No, the body needs feet and hands, right? And then he goes on to say, what if the the whole body were, were just an ear? How could it see? And that would look kind of funny. What if the whole body were just an eye? How could it hear, right? All of these parts, all of these members, play a role in the function of the body. And Paul says, actually, the body won't mature correctly if the parts aren't working together, because that's the goal. The ultimate goal is the maturity of the church. And the only way we mature, right? Think about this, parents. um, I remember that, you know... Leaps in maturity, and I realize that's a relative term for me, leaps in maturity take, took place when I started working, when I started assuming responsibility. And I think there's probably a correlation there to the church, that as we, fill our, as we figure out what our calling is, what our places are, what God has called us to do, where we minister, that we mature and the body grows. Okay? I don't say that to motivate you out of guilt, but simply to bring out this fullness of our calling. Jake is not driving the bus. Jake is in the trenches. And he wants you to come alongside and be equipped to be in the trenches with him. I may not mean you're called to be a Sunday school teacher or a pastor. In fact, go ahead and get rid of that notion of ministry. That is ministry. But as long as you say, ah, that's the only ministry, then you will be hampered in in owning ministry yourself. So that is a ministry for some, but there's lots of ministry to go around, I promise. Now some of you, and this could be very few, kind of need to crack out of the shell. Okay, Many of you are engaged in ministry, normal, everyday ministry. Uh, Some may be content to watch ministry happen from a distance. And maybe you give money. And that's good. Don't stop giving money. But consider this. Are there ways that God has gifted you in the places where he has put you to share Jesus? It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And as you think about that, let's talk. So that if you feel unequipped or under-equipped, that you can be equipped... To do ministry, because that's the kind of church that we want to be. Let me let me close with this and hopefully bring it kind of to a gospel point. I was talking to a foster dad this week, and he shared this realization with me. He, he pointed out that Jesus gave up his comfort to do spiritual battle in the dirty trenches of the world. So Jesus... Right? left his throne in heaven to enter into our world and to go to war against sin and Satan. And having won his people, right? and he did, he did that out of love, and that's how you got here. And here's the miracle, right? That having won his people, he transformed them so that they engage in the same work. Right? So that a a young boy, uh, son of a single mom, addicted to drugs, doesn't have much hope of ever accomplishing much. He's removed from his home, and he's placed with a Christian couple. A Christian couple who see it as their ministry to share the good news of Jesus with every child that comes through their door. The boy gets adopted. By these saints, but more importantly, he comes to believe in Jesus and he gets adopted by his heavenly Father. And now the Holy Spirit's at work in his heart, and his parents are at work on the outside, right? Teaching, equipping as he matures in the faith, as he grows up, so that as he looks, Now, at college graduation, he understands his calling to be a minister, to serve, not just in the legacy of his parents, but also in the legacy of his Lord. That's what happens when saints are equipped for ministry. And that's the miracle. Jesus left the throne of heaven to win his sinful people back. And he nourishes them and equips them and sends them out to the trenches. Some are called to equip. All are called to minister. And as we minister, children, teenagers, college students, even middle-aged people whose children have long left, are saved and the body grows and the body grows and the body grows until one what until one day we reach that full stature and we look a lot like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord our prayer is simple that you would equip your saints to do your ministry so your body grows here in Clanton in Alabama and across the globe. It's not an easy calling but it's one that's fueled by the hope of the gospel that sinners can be won by your kindness. It's fueled by the power of the Spirit at work within us and it sends us out. So Lord, I pray we would be warmed and encouraged to the idea of ministry as service to needy people who need to hear about you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.